This SoFi podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine Opie show. On this week's Minutia Men Celebrity Interview, Rick, we talked to an absolutely astoundingly good filmmaker. He has done some great work. You may have seen it. Heavy Metal Parking Lot. Uh-huh. Ernest Borgnine's Bus. Yep. Hitler's Hat. Yep. We talked to filmmaker Jeff Krulik. Listen to Minutia Men Celebrity Interview on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast and Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. I'm Mark Vernon along with Lou Costable, and this is another episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. And, Lou, we always like to start each uh, program with uh, any updates or things like that about our cars and didn't really have anything to report uh, last time around. I know you're chasing an uh, air conditioning issue with uh, one of your vehicles, but I guess that isn't too bad considering uh, <laughs> the trials and tribulations that uh, we all go through with some of our uh, collector cars. I know um, we recently had our Buick specialist, uh, Bill Kubik, on the uh, program. He and I did a a session, and we were just talking about uh, all the things that are going wrong with his his 58 or all the things that he's working on. It kind of worked out well because, of course, um, you know, a subdued car show season um, this year because of the uh, uh, lockdown and pandemic. And maybe it's a good time for a lot of people to be working on their cars. So uh, Bill has his uh, interior ripped apart. He's got his radio out. He's got uh, a few things going on underneath the hood. And, you know, hopefully it'll it'll all get buttoned up and back together in time for uh, next year's uh, uh, show season and we'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, really nothing to report here. i got to get a couple of the cars out. i got to get the Impala back on the road. Uh, it's been a few weeks since I've driven that. It's got a brand-new battery in it because I told you about my trials and tribulations with the battery a few weeks ago, and um, things should be good. So I'm looking forward to getting that out. And um, also, you know, when with the situation that the world finds itself in right now we've kind of uh developed the rediscovered the joy of the sunday drive and when i'm out and about i always like to see what's on the roads and actually saw a couple of interesting cars um things that you don't see too often and probably forgot about what some of these cars look like remember the honda del soul that funky little like kind of targa type thing remember those they sold them for a couple of years I, I, I do, and I also got a car that I saw spotted on the road that I'll, I'll add to the to list when it's my turn. Okay, but, cool. Uh, yeah, I, I remember the DeSole. It's that little rounded front end and a little... I think the amazing thing about that car was the back window actually rolled down. Yeah, I think it did. I It, it had... It was a very total totally compact two-seat car, and it had a Targa top on it. I remember that. And I think, yeah, like you're saying, I think the, the rear window... 
um, actually powered down or, or I think, I don't think it would have been a, a, I don't think it would have had a crank back there. It would be kind of funny if they did, but who knows? But it was a lime green metallic, uh, Honda Del Sol. Certainly don't see too many of those around anymore. And that was a kind of a pleasure to see. You can't go wrong with a red MGB. Uh, those are kind of a dime a dozen at times, but, uh, saw one of those, saw a couple of other, uh, I hate to call a Nova a dime a dozen car, but you see a lot of resto-modded Novas, and these were no exception. I saw uh, two of them, one red and one blue. They both had Kreger mags, and I think I've said this on the program before, Lou, that I think the Kreger mag just looks totally at home on a 1970 or 69 Nova. It's just, the, to me, the classic rim for that car. I know it's not a stock rim, but it just fits with that body style and that look so well. So most of the uh, Novas I see on the roads actually do have Kregers on them, which is nice. And then two cars that were both in white, a Pontiac Solstice. You don't see too many of those. That was uh, a neat car that um, GM made, two-seat convertible. They also made a very limited run of uh, hard tops, uh, kind of a fastback hard top version of that vehicle. I think they only made that for like one year, and it has its it had its um, uh, cousin in the uh, Saturn Sky was the uh, stable mate of the Pontiac Solstice. The Sky had more angular uh, styling to it. The Pontiac had this big bullnose that uh, went down the front with a big kind of bullnose grill and. Really nice cars, and they're actually starting to pick up, I think, uh, some collector interest these days because people are realizing it was a pretty good car and a, a good-looking car as well. And then a white Alfa Romeo 4C that I saw on the road, too. Haven't seen too many 4Cs in the wild. I test drove one of them about four years ago now when they first came out just to see what they were all about because I was at the Fiat dealer uh, getting an oil change or something, and they had a, a 4C, and I'm like, hey, I want to take this thing out for a spin. And uh, totally neat car. I mean, it's got that carbon fiber tub in it and a lot of lot of technology for the price. And you can get those now. I, I haven't tracked them for a couple months, but I know that they've come down at least to 40,000 used and maybe a little bit less than that. Uh, knew they were 60,000, 70,000. So if you could get a 4C for 40 grand, that's not doing too bad because uh, that that's a lot of car, even though it doesn't look like it. It's got a lot of technology built into it. Um, have you ever uh, done a 4C on the channel, Lou, the My Car Story? The uh, uh, Alpha 4C. I'm punching it up. I think I have. I would assume uh, you've probably done one, at least. They're neat cars. Have, They're mid-engine, four-cylinder turbo. I have eight Alphas on the channel. Including my old Alpha that I don't have anymore. Yeah, I've got a, a Alpha Romeo uh, Montreal. Yep. 1972, a 73 Alpha Romeo GTV 2000. Mm. Um, I have a 55 Alfa Romeo 1900C SS Zagato. Wow. A 61 Alfa Romeo Juliet Spider, excuse me, Juliet Sprint Speciality. Okay. I have a, yeah, here we go, the 2015 Alfa Romeo 4C Launch Edition. Okay, good. I have this wonderful 1987 <laughs> Alfa Romeo Spider Quadrifolio Injection yeah. with our owner, Mark. Uh, Vernon, <laughs> and we have a 57 Alfa Romeo Giulietta Sprint Veloce, um, uh, John Weinberger's car. Wow. You got a, 
You got a pretty pricey collection of alphas there, uh, sir. Yeah, I will I, I will congratulate you on that. That's a yeah, impressive impressive array. There, there is actually one more uh, in the in the field, uh, and it's in a combination video. So sadly, this video only has seven hundred views on it. Huh. But it's four Zagato cars. Okay. And uh, uh, an Alfa Romeo, two Ferraris, and um, uh, a Lamborghini. Okay. All, Z- all Zagatos. And we, is... we will be talking about a Zagato later in the program, too. So there oh, you go. <laughs> Look at that. But, yeah, Zagato is the Italian uh, custom coach builder, and they do a lot of uh, um, one-offs or limited production for uh, various models, correct? That's pretty much what they're... Here's a little info on, on Zagato. It's a family-owned company. Andrea Zagato is actually who I who I videoed. Wow. Talking about four Zagatos that were at at the time an Arizona Concord the Elegant show in 2016, and I got a little moment to talk with him, uh, which I put on the channel as well. And uh, I thought that this video would be nuts because these cars were, I'll call them relatively new Zagatos at the time. But any and Zagato is worth, you know, it's video. a rare car, video, yeah. They're yeah. Here, here's the interesting thing. They like, he likes, this family likes the number nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember you, you saying that way back in the early days of Car Guys Report and, and something yeah. like he tries to do a nine in the styling or something somehow or... Or he'll do he'll he'll produce nine of them. Or, or nine, yeah, something nine, related nine. with nine. Kind of like Nikola Tesla, I think, had something to do with the number. It was like three or nine. He had he had a quirk too, where he had something about yeah. that number. I don't know if it was well, nine, but it was a yeah. number that he had a, a. I don't want to call it a hang up, but. <laughs> yeah, they, you know they'll produce ninety nine cars. Of, yeah, you know that model or something like that. Yeah, but uh, was he just dripping with Italian style? Because I haven't seen the video. Was he wearing, like, a totally awesome, like, was it, like, perfect concours-type dress? Like, he was wearing a linen sport coat and some poplin pants, or was he totally stylish? You know, first of all, it's at the Arizona Biltmore Hotel. Okay, well, there you go. So so that was where the the show was. And might I add, the show is, unfortunately, not because of our current situation, but it's no longer uh, sponsored, was apparently how it ended up, but... uh, uh, one of the reasons why I got a house out in Arizona was just because of this show was that good. Yeah. And uh, uh, so I had met him out there. I think they only had about three shows, and I think I attended two of them. But uh, he was there, and I got the chance to meet him, and I sat and talked with him, and I listened to him speak. And then I got a chance to uh, interview him for a couple of moments afterwards, and I wanted to, wanted to, wanted to hear have the words from him about, um, you know, working hard. Yeah. Working in the business. And uh, it sounds a lot better than me just quoting him. And uh, he was wonderful. You know, exactly what I thought he'd be, a car guy from Italy who wants to talk about cars. And, um, you know, then he brought these four, you know, two Ferraris, an Alfa Romeo, and, uh, uh, you know, a Lamborghini that were, you know, customized by the Zagato family. And it's just, you know, tremendous. I don't, I don't think they brought the cars out, so it wasn't like these cars came directly uh, from Italy, I think yeah. these were people in Arizona who owned the cars who knew that they were coming and they were featuring Zagatos at the show. So, um, you know, it's only a two-minute, 
54 second video where you walk around these four cars that they're they're dazzling cool i all have a slightly different take not to take anything away from mr zagato but um uh i will have a slightly different take on on our discussion on the zagato coming up here um later in the program but uh we will. I'll keep you in suspense, I guess, about that. Be sure to tell a friend about the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. We're available on Spotify. You can go to opishows.com. You can also check us out at radiomisfits.com. Our email address, carguysreport at hotmail.com. Now, Lou always, it just goes in one ear and out the other with him, but it's carguysreport at hotmail.com. Couldn't be easier than that. Your comments, suggestions, complaints, kudos, whatever you want to send us, please do. CarGuysReport at Hotmail.com. The Radio Misfits Podcast Network is celebrating its sixth anniversary, and one of the great podcasts on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network is the podcast The Bite Goes On. Sandra Bernstein, owner of The Girl and the Fig Restaurant in Sonoma, hosts this weekly podcast along with her friend Brian Casey, who's a veteran of the hospitality industry for over 30 years. They discuss all aspects of the food world from seeds and beans to French fries and more. No subject is off the table, sometimes controversial, but always delicious. It's The Bite Goes On. It's on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, celebrating six years. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. That is radiomisfits.com. Mark Vernon along with Lou Costable, and I know I've said this before, I don't want to sound like a broken record now that I own a Dodge Challenger. In addition to talking too much about Mercedes-Benz's, uh, Aston Martins, Saabs, now I'm going to be talking about Challengers and, and Dodges all the time too, Lou, so well, I just want to make sure that you're aware of that. Let me pause one thing just because you might start to get emails that say, Lou never told us what car he spotted on the road. I oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You said you had something. Yeah. I had a 79 Chevrolet Camaro Z28. Okay. And although you say, okay, so who cares? No. I've been looking for a Z28 yeah. to get on the channel and have not been able to find one. So when it was going the other way, I almost felt I hit my wife. Did you do it? Uh, I, so I you couldn't do a Yui and start chasing him down. If, I'll tell you, if she wasn't in the car, you would have. I would have. I would have gone after that. Yeah. yeah. And it's For funny sure. because those cars, and I don't know if those are still considered an F body um, or not, but um, those late seventies, early eighties Camaros and Firebirds are attracting a lot more attention in the um, collector market than they have previously just in the last few years they've really come on and it's funny too because you said you don't see that many of them either and i think a lot of them like the mid-70s f bodies they were road hard put away muddy and people didn't hang on to them that much so that was cool what what color did you say it was well this one was actually like a uh, almost like that buick green we're oh really about. huh yeah it was it was a light green wow that's a, a great um a great car and uh like i said i have no doubt in my mind that if you weren't going to a uh a previous engagement you would have definitely turned around and and um tracked that guy down and got him on the channel so cool yeah, wanted to talk about uh 
current Dodge Challenger uh, and Charger uh, iterations. Here, this comes from uh, Road and Track. They're saying three constants in life, death, taxes, and a yearly increase in horsepower for the Dodge Challenger and the Dodge Charger. Right on time, SRT, Street Racing uh, Technology, has taken the wraps off the new horsepower kings in the Dodge Challenger and Charger lineup. Witness the 807 horsepower Challenger SRT Superstock and the 797 horsepower Challenger SRT Hellcat Red Eye. Now, um, you know, Dodge has been doing a lot of different versions of the Hellcat. They had the Dodge Demon, which was like the drag car and things like that. The top dog in the Hellcat lineup now is the Challenger SRT Superstock. Packs 807 horsepower, 707 pound-feet of torque. Think of it as part Superstock, part Red Eye, and part Demon. That's what they're saying. Where's the Demon's wheel and tire package? 18 by 11-inch matte black five-spoke shot and 31540 Neato drag radials at all four corners tucked under the now familiar and awesome looking wide body flared fenders that add three and a half inches of girth to the already stout coupe and that is true i do think the wide body looks awesome and i considered one when i was uh, shopping for my challenger and the car is big and i was thinking boy you're gonna add another three and a half inches of width to this thing that would just be enormous Power comes from a lightly retuned version of the Red Eye engine, itself a slightly softened version of the Demon power plant. And SRT says that revised engine calibration accounts for the 10 horsepower increase over the Red Eye. The uh, super stock name, not to mention the past decade plus of Challenger Special Edition, should give a hint that the latest coupe is aimed at a drag strip at drag strip dominance. It's packed with tech for the whole shot, including uh, standard active dampers. Uh, tuned to transfer as much weight as possible on the rear tires and track mode. Limited slip diff, 3.09 final drive, and a whole suite of electronic assistance to help you make it down the quarter mile as quickly as possible, like line lock for burnouts, which my car has, launch control, which my has, uh, torque reserve, I don't have that, which builds boost pressure into launch mode because this is supercharged, and a power chiller, which uses the air conditioning to help cool the uh, intake air temperature. So that is the Super Stock Challenger from Dodge. 3.25 seconds, 0 to 60. 10.5 second quarter mile time at 131 miles an hour. So that's uh, that's not as fast as the Demon, but still pretty darn quick considering it's uh, box stock from the factory with a warranty. And... Um, there's no unique badges or decals to set the super stock apart from lesser red eye wide body models. And then the Dodge Charger SRT Hellcat Red Eye has 779 horsepower, 707 pound-feet of torque in a four-door sedan, of course, because that's the only uh, flavor that the Chargers come in. Uh, claimed 10.6 second quarter mile at 129 and a top speed of 203. So you really got to hand it to Mopar these days that they're uh, not afraid to uh, continue to refine and just... Uh, jack up these uh, horsepower uh, ratings to just absolutely ridiculous fi figures these days. I mean, I got 485 horsepower in my Challenger, and I think that's a, a pretty hefty number. And when you look at uh, 797, 807, I mean, it's 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 absolutely um, mind-boggling. But um, definitely appreciate uh, their efforts along those lines. 
We're at the uh, point in the program where we like to talk about cars that were either uh, sold or for sale, uh, either auction, uh, classifieds, or whatever, uh, found online, whether it's Hemmings.com, uh, ringatrailer.com, or, in this case, coming from Aston Martin dealer Nicholas Mee and Company. I have ordered parts from them in England. They give great service. And this is where the Zagato part comes in, uh, Lou. I wanted to just... Kind of compare this. Now, this might, to you, might seem like an unfair comparison, but let me continue here. This is a 2004 Aston Martin DB7 Zagato that Nicholas Mee had on their previously owned a car lot, their used car lot, but a car like this, you don't really want to call it used, but it was. Number 82 of 99, it has 16,800 miles on it, manual transmission, 5.9 liter V8, uh, V12, and it was based on a shortened DB7 platform. The Zagato employed the 435 horsepower V12 power plant, made into a short throw six-speed manual. The, uh, the distinctive styling, including Zagato's trademark double bubble roof, evokes strong memories of the iconic DB4 GT Zagato from the 60s, not to mention the stunning driveline from the most focused DB7 built, the GT, which we covered a couple of uh, episodes ago when I was comparing or just talking about somebody who wrote an article on the DB7 GT and comparing it to my car. Um, so they have one for sale. It's in uh, Nero Daytona, which is uh, basically black and has a charcoal interior. So not a real stunning color combination. But here's my take on this, Lou. 435 horsepower, six-speed manual V12. My DB7 has 420 horsepower and a six-speed manual. Um, the car doesn't have the subtle modifications that the Zagato has, and they didn't only make 99 of them. They made, I don't know how many, but not a whole heck of a lot of standard DB7 six-speeds. But the price that Nicholas Mee is asking for this 2004 DB7 Zagato, 325,000 uh, Great British Pounds, which uh, translates to about 412,000 U.S. dollars. Now, that's about 10 times more than my car wow. is worth, because my car is worth about 40 grand on a really good day. And I'm thinking, is it really worth 10 times more just to get that Zagato body or not? I mean, I, like I said, I'm not trying to take anything away from them. Right. But it's just, you know, mechanically, it's it's pretty much the same car. It's got the six-speed. It's got the V12. It's got, you know, almost identical horsepower. The chassis is pretty much the same. The brakes yeah. are the same. So I, I, I where, where's the money coming from, you know? I mean, if you were up against that, I, I could... I could see having my car and then spending the extra $370,000 on something else. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, uh, uh, $370,000 uh, would get you quite a quite a nice uh, uh, demon. You could, buy a brand you, new, a nice... you could buy a brand new McLaren. You could buy a brand yeah. new Ferrari. You could buy a, a, a Lamborghini. You yeah. could buy a whole and this, and this hassle is, of used is, cars. And this is a used Aston yeah, Martin. Yeah, yeah. Zagato. And it's... Yeah, no, that's, that's an incredible number um, that you just shared there. I mean, um, 
you know, who knows? They may never get that number, right? You can always come up with what you think is the number. Well, this, yeah, because this was from a a month or so, a couple months ago, uh, because I'm on their email list. And I don't remember seeing this car on on the used car list in the most recent email I got from them. Maybe I missed it. But um, it might have still been on there. But um, I think it's just when people want to say they have a Zagato and, um, you know, that that's what they have. So uh, I've seen one at a Cars and Coffee and it did, it did look really cool. It wasn't a DB7 Zagato. It was a, a later DB model. I can't remember if it was a DB9 or, or DB11 or whatever, but um, it looked really cool. It did look cool. But how much cooler than than my car? I don't know. I mean, if you're a total Aston Martin freak, I'm not a total Aston Martin freak. I just happen to own one. I like the car, but I'm not a complete freak about it. Yeah, just, you're not you're not in love with it. Right? No, I mean, I, honestly, <clears throat> that may be the next car that 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 goes on the block with me uh, as far as getting rid of it. Um, yeah. I keep wondering is this thing, if if this thing is ever going to appreciate in value. And slowly but surely, but do I want to hang on to it for another 15 years just to see another 10 or 15 grand out of it? Probably not. So, um, I mean, I have the car for five years. I still like it. I still love driving it. I love the sound and the power and the style. But, um, you know, it wouldn't break my heart if and when I decide to to get rid of it. But I did yeah. I did want to bring that up, though. Just It's just an interesting – the similarities, I think, outweigh the the – the differences in this comparison and for the price, I mean, that that's where it's just dramatic and it literally is 10,000, 10 times more than basically what my car is, uh, is worth right now. So I just wanted to bring that up, but, yeah, um, that would be, um, I don't think if someone, you know, buying, you know, obviously you're buying the name, right? You buy a, you buy a Shelby Mustang, you're buying the fact that, you know, it's a Shelby. You, 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 you know, you get uh, a Z28. You're paying for the for the Z28 sticker. And granted, people could very, you know, car, you know, what is it? Car guys reported hotmail.com. Start sending now. And then, um, <laughs> uh, you know, obviously, I understand that a Z28 has a bigger engine and better suspension. And I understand, like in that, then you're actually paying for something. But, yeah, to have the same chassis and drive frame, and really you're just redesigning the outside of the body of the car um, for its limited production, yeah, that's, you know. Well, to me, even 99, you know, in 2004, Aston Martin still wasn't building a whole boatload of cars. And to me, a so-called limited edition of 99, when you compare it to, you know, 1,200 or 1,500 cars, it still isn't that small i mean to me if they made five of these cars then maybe it'd be more or 10 but 99 is still a pretty fairly large number i think so yeah i mean for for that amount of money i'd agree with you yeah meaning if they said it was nine cars then yeah exactly four hundred thousand dollars i i get yeah one of nine yeah but But it's not but but 99 or you know, 79 or something like that. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, no, maybe not. Yeah. So I, I'm, in, I'm in agreement. I, I don't think that's the right number for that car. Yeah. Well, but someone may buy it. Who knows? I mean, you can always check it out, uh, you know, see how these cars are priced. They just don't come up for sale that often, though, too. And I think that's one reason why why maybe they, they – I mean, I'm sure they're valuing it correctly, at least in their minds. They're an Aston Martin dealer. They should know. Um, but that's why we like to always highlight – 
uh, some of these vehicles like that on the program here just to see, you know, so you can be at home going, really? Or, yeah, I'd pay that. You know, let us know. CarGuysReport at Hotmail.com. And as I said before, too, Hemmings.com and BringAtrailer.com. Two great places to start, salivate, dream, whatever you want with your uh, collector and special interest uh, car um Lustings, because those are two great uh, places that have a lot of great listings of cars for sale or on auction. If you like the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, be sure to check out some of the other programs that are available on the Radio Misfits podcast network. Like the program, back to you. It's an Opie show, legendary Chicago TV personalities, Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville talk about their daily adventures and the long list of things that bug them. You can listen to Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits. And that's where you'll find this program. The Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. And, you know, last episode, Lou, we had what you felt was kind of a lame list of great movie cars because of the omissions that were there. And I said to you leading into the list which you hadn't seen i said well my favorite movie car is on there and you started well you have an aston martin i bet it's the goldfinger car and i said no it isn't and that's not even on the list and then well the whole thing kind of deteriorated from there so if you want <laughs> if you want to go back and listen to that uh, episode it's number 72 of the car guys report you can relive the uh uh, uh bantering back and forth about that list but aston martin is starting yeah, let, me, let, me, let me pause you for a second I would love to see people's top seven movie cars. So if they went to carguysreport at hotmail.com, send us your list of seven greatest movie cars, and I bet you it's better than the list we had. Than the list we had. We'll see what happens, and we'll let you know. Aston Martin has actually started production of the Goldfinger DB5. Of course, they're calling it a continuation but they're going to make 25. Now, we were just talking about limited editions in, in Aston Martin parlance. This is 25 examples they're going to build, taking 4,500 hours of labor to assemble. Now, based on a 2,000-hour yearly um, work year, that is uh, over two years of, of labor if one guy was, was doing, doing the car. So that shows that it's definitely uh, hand-built and hand-assembled and things like that. Uh, it's gonna, the, each uh, of the special limited 25 examples will sell for $3.37 million. And it says here, among the list of crime-fighting upgrades include a smokescreen sender, an oil slick delivery system, revolving number plates front and rear, uh, simulated front machine guns, battering rams front and rear, and a removable passenger seat panel. So they're not going to put uh, an ejector seat in, but they're going to have the passenger seat panel uh, on the passenger side, on the roof, removable. There's side a telephone in the driver's door, a gear knob actuator button, switch gear mounted on the armrest and center console, and a hidden storage compartment under the driver's seat for weapons. So uh, that's the gizmo part of it. 
under the hood, they'll have a 4-liter naturally aspirated straight 6 with 290 horsepower. Rear-wheel drive, of course, to a uh, 5-speed ZF manual transmission, limited slip differential, girling-type disc brakes all around, unassisted rack and pinion steering, really, for $3.37 million. Wow. Coilovers at the front and a live axle at the rear. They say all 25 continuation DB5s will be painted in silver birch, just like the original movie car. Aston notes that because this is a 60s car built from scratch without any modern safety or emissions equipment. Now, this is the bummer, Lou. It's not street legal. Wah, wah, wah. It says here now. Now that we think it'll not that we think it'll matter much for the owners who will likely tuck the car away into their already vast collections. But that's why they can get away with putting since it's not street legal. That's why they can get away with putting in a oil slick delivery system, revolving number plates, and battering rams. <laughs> but uh, I mean, the car looks awesome. But again, if you had that much money, would you? What would, what would you do with this car? Because technically you can't drive it on the street. So can you, would you trailer it to a car show and just drive it around on the, on, the, on the showgrounds? Would you have it in your private car collection on a rotating platter? Would you have it in a museum? What would you do with it if you can't theoretically drive it on the street? Well, um, two things. One is I would have to be a huge fan of the movie. To buy, spend that much money, yeah. You know, I mean that that you know we're not talking three hundred thousand dollars, which is enough in itself, which is the cost of I don't know my house right now. But uh, um, my my point is that um, you know the uh, um, you know that that's an incredible amount of money. Oh yeah, for for, for a, a toy. So so to be in that league which one day I hope to be in a league of, I, I want to buy a toy that I can't drive on the street for 3.3 million. <laughs> it is almost like a giant Corgi toy that you can play with, but just not on the road, right? Right. So let's actually say that somehow, some way, Lou's YouTube channel gets to that point where that's what I'm doing. I'm buying my own Aston Martin uh, Goldfinger car so that I can video it on the channel and show you all the gadgets. Um <laughs> Uh, I, I would I drive it on the street? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I think you would. I, I, w- I wouldn't be able to help myself. I, I now I wouldn't be. You know, well, no, I probably thinking of myself. I probably would take it all over the place. Um, would I drive it down like Lakeshore Drive? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> would, I, would I drive it? Well, down? come on, you got battering rams, you got an oil slick, so people will stay away yeah. from you. <laughs> Get but off I, my ass and <laughs> dump yeah, the oil. I, I would be the wrong person for that car, you know. That that would probably be so I would I drive it on the street, although I'm not supposed to, yes. I probably I probably would. I, I wouldn't be able to help myself. I could see that, totally. I could see you driving yeah. that car. Yeah, I, I could see that too. So I think you know. you're just better off buying a real D B seven, you know, not not the Goldfinger car, but just a real high quality used D B seven, which would run you about 300 grand anyway at least and you can drive that on the street you look just like the real thing and you know and you got yeah. uh three million dollars left over <laughs> yeah nobody nobody'd know that uh nobody'd know that it wasn't the gold finger exactly if you told them it was that you'd say yeah this is james bond's car they'd be like okay sure you know so yeah exactly and you have three million dollars left in your pocket so 
That's the way it goes with these rich cars and these rich guys. We have sanitized all our Opie shows for your protection. I wonder if the DB7 Goldfinger car comes with a hand sanitizer button. But you should still be wearing a mask. Please help prevent the spread of COVID-19 by following the CDC guidelines. You'll be saving the world. And also, be sure to wash your hands. We're going to take a peek out the... uh, Car Guys Report warehouse uh, window to see if the rain has stopped. We'll be right back after this. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next Back to You, do you know your money? I know where my money is, but the question is, do you know who is on your money? We're going to talk money and other assorted interesting facts. We'll tell you all about that on the next Back to You. Mm-hmm. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify, Opie shows.com or wherever you find podcasts just search for radio misfits you know i was uh telling my kids the other day that uh, i never thought the 90s had a look but if you look at pictures of ourselves oh boy the 90s really does have a look doesn't it if i would have known what was going to happen to my hair <laughs> i wouldn't have gone through the mullet years is that your final haircut was the mullet yeah, well the comb over is that a haircut that counts yeah all right well then no but okay that's good it was the last official one did you ever have the the mullet in the back and the bald on top at the same time? no no you mean the joe dirt yeah no, that, I'm never, that i never went been, joe dirt that would have been a great look listen to <laughs> minutia men on spotify opishows.com amazon or wherever you find podcast just search for radio misfits and we're back here on the car guys report informed automotive still raining here at the car guys report warehouse so if you hear any uh rain in the background that's where it's coming from but it's dry inside here so that's good and lou is is all snuggled up in his uh, office at his remote location so we're doing good uh, another famous list lou after that uh, movie list boy who knows what's going to happen with this one and they use the word great again in the list and that's what caused so much problem <laughs> in that movie list this comes from road and track uh, again select great cars now this is a good list uh, a good topic Select great cars that were killed off before they could succeed. And there's been many, many cars in um, mainly, I think, in in Detroit, uh, you know, American car manufacturers uh, histories that they never gave them enough of uh, of a chance. And they finally got it right. And then they killed it off. And this is part one of the list. We've got about. It looks like about uh, 15 total on the list, so we're going to run through about seven uh, or eight ones here. A couple of them are a little oddball. Um, again, this is uh, a couple of them are, are fairly new, but um, we'll just start with the list and, and see where we, we take it. We'll start with an older one, the AMC AMX. That was basically a short wheelbase Javelin, two-seater, uh, I always thought that the AMX was a really neat car. Now, obviously, uh, AMC was having a lot of issues struggling as a company in the early 70s when the AMX was around. My guess is they just probably couldn't justify making essentially two versions of the Javelin um, to justify the cost of not a lot of sales. But the AMX is a neat car. You don't see a lot of them. And a lot of people don't realize that it's it's a it's a two seater. It's a short wheelbase, basically a short wheelbase javelin is is the easiest way to uh, describe that car. Another one that yeah, yeah go ahead yeah that yeah that uh, well the, the one of the things that makes it a little shorter is you got no like you said you got 
No seat in the back. There was kind of an area, though, but it wasn't a full area. It was almost kind of like a, you know, like you know, a parcel back- shelf or whatever you want to call it. Just a, enough room, I believe. It's not like the the rear seats didn't back right up to the to the rear window. There was some space there, but not enough for a a, a regular uh, rear seat. Now, this is the way we used to do it in 69, is you'd have some kid, some small child, literally four or five, holding on to the back seat, the back bucket seat, as you drove around. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, uh, that, my that dad had a 71 fun. Spitfire. Yeah, that was like And I used to sit di- um, perpendicular to the front seats. If my mom and dad were in the car, I would sit perpendicular in the space between the rear seats and the, and the convertible top. When it was stowed, and there was, I don't know, maybe a foot and a half of space there, and it was enough room to, to stretch out perpendicular to the front seats, and it worked. And that's exactly what, you, what you're talking about and what you could do with um, you know, a car like an AMX if you had one at the time and you had kids. Um, and, they, and, and by the way, they'd love it back there. Oh, they'd I loved it. Yeah, you're right. I loved riding in the Spitfire like that. It was a blast. Yeah. It, it was like your spot. Exactly. You know, exactly. You, you, you knew it was your spot. So, I mean, today that would never fly with baby seats. And, oh, yeah, no seat belts, uh, no airbags, <laughs> nothing like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, you'd be the most worst parent of all time with that kind of a uh, situation. But yet we all, somehow all survived. Exactly, um, yeah, that's the only <laughs> So we always say, right? And I, and I guess if you didn't survive, you're not here talking about it now. So, um the whole point I want to make is that, um, uh, yeah, it was a it was a great car. You know, American Motors. I don't know if it was the marketing effort or what. It was always considered, you know, under Ford and under GM. Well, they just were never that big of a, ma- a manufacturer. I mean, they never had. They had the they had volume, but not huge volume, and they always had money problems. You know, they right. they acquired so many different makes over the years, and yeah, they had some unique vehicles i mean the gremlin and the pacer and you know and they had some some flat-out muscle cars i mean the amx was a muscle car the javelin was a muscle car remember the um rambler scrambler with the 390 v8 in the rambler body that was incredible well, uh, I'll, I'll add a few to the list you have uh the, the 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 machine is what it was called the rebel machine oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah and that so, was red white and blue wasn't it that, yeah, they had them in red, white, and blue. Yeah. They also could have them in some, you know, singular colors, but generally they were probably best known for their red, white, and blue. Um, you also had the uh, the Matador, mm-hmm. which was a funky-looking vehicle, but they did put, uh, in a few of them, they called something, I believe they called it the X package. Yeah. And um, They also uh, had an I, Oleg Cassini uh, package, too, because, remember, uh, they started, no, they did, for for the Matador. And it was kind of like you know they they had the Levi's edition of the of the Gremlin. They had an Oleg Cassini one for the for the Matador. And how did you remember? How did you remember that? Because I read an article in one of my car magazines a couple months ago that featured a Matador with the Oleg Cassini thing, and I'm like, wow, yeah, only in the '70s would you get that. It was just crazy, and it's funny too. I know that you had something else to say, but before I forget. Um, I've been watching uh, reruns of, of the TV show Adam-12 with uh, Kent McCord and, and Martin Milner. And in the latter episodes, and it just rolled over because they run them in, you know, from the beginning to the end. Um, and I think it's up to year like 73 or 74 now 
when uh, they were already driving um, the Matador police car. And then um, Pete Malloy, who is uh, Martin Milner's character, gets a brand new Matador. And it's this sickly yellow color with like a brown interior. And he's showing it off to, uh, to, to Jim Reed, who's his partner, Kent McCord. And he, he opens the hood and they kind of look underneath and he goes, yeah, it's supposed to get about 15 miles a gallon. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, a pickup truck doesn't even get 15 miles a gallon in, in 2020. And they're looking at this car. It should have a V8 in it, but he didn't say anything about it. And it's just this gross yellow color. It's an oddball car. It's got those big round, like, headlights with the tunnel design on the front fenders and the big round taillights. And it was hilarious. It really was. It looked, it, it, uh, there's a Matador on the channel, not only a Matador, but the prototype Matador is on the uh, car story with Lou. But, yeah, um, my challenge was um, with finding American Motors cars, it's hard to find them because they don't really mass produce, you know, aftermarket parts. No, they don't. That that's one thing that that I think probably holds them back in the collector market is the lack of of aftermarket or reproduction support. I mean, they had some cool cars like the Marlin was a really neat car too, but try to find a, you know, something other than an engine part for that car and you you will have a tough time. Yeah, the the Marlin, I mean, so yeah, I mean, it's uh uh, but the people who are the American Motors, the AMC fans, are real loyalists for sure. And uh, uh, there's, you know, there was the AMC uh, Hornet SC, yeah, a 360. Yep. Um, you know, there was uh, there was one rare car that I have on the channel that's a Gremlin. It was called the Randall Gremlin. Uh, the people who are uh, AMC fans consider that almost like the Loch Ness monster. Because I think they built, they were out of Arizona and they built like 25 of them. Wow. And they've all rusted out. And, and uh, you know, it's just almost like legend that it's been told that they put a 401 in a Gremlin and uh, uh, kind of like a Yanko Camaro or something like that. And uh, this guy has uh, one that he brought to the Muscle Car and Corvette National, and I knew it was coming. And we had a chance to video and start that up. And, uh, you know, just really, really interesting. Uh, uh, cars, but yeah, I mean to to see a, a gremlin or um, a pacer, or, uh, yeah, you know the eagle spirit or, or things like that. Yeah, well, they were actually, you know, um, the uh, eagle, the four wheel drive. The, they made a four wheel drive spirit too, and they made, of course, the uh, the eagle four wheel drive, and that was almost uh, a precursor to you know all wheel drive or four wheel drive cars that are pretty ubiquitous today, but back in the early eighties when those came out, that was pretty groundbreaking back then, even though they were, they sat pretty high and things like that, you know, there's still body on frame, but um, just the idea that they were doing that was, was pretty cool. So yeah, we'll have to talk more about AMCs at some point, but um, we didn't want to get too sidetracked here. We're talking about great cars that were killed before they could succeed, according to Road and Track. We just started with the AMC AMX. Now, this is another one that I would definitely agree with, a Pontiac GTO. Now, we're talking about the latest version, the one that came out in the mid-2000s. It was a Holden import from Australia. I'm sure our Australian listeners are 
nodding and drinking some beer to that and saying, yeah, that's a good car. I always said it was a sleeper of sorts because it didn't look real racy, but it had a, it had a version of an LS uh, V8 in it, and it was a, a great car. And those are actually fairly affordable now, too. Try to get one that wasn't beat on, but you can find them. They're, they sold enough of them that they're out there from the collector market, but the Pontiac GTO um, was one that they killed before they could succeed. Now, the Vector M12 is on the list. That's one that I'm not too familiar with it's a boutique maker in the 90s they were owned by lamborghini um which was owned by megatech at the time and of course lambo now is owned by the volkswagen group but um vector v12 is one of these kind of a supercar um i kind of have a picture of one in my head but i don't have a, a strong feeling one way or another on it the land rover discovery svx now that was um Another uh, kind of spinoff of the Discovery, I guess. I don't even remember that. It said it was canceled in 2019, which would have been last year. Um, maybe that's why I don't remember it, because it, they killed it off uh, fairly quickly. Another one that's kind of an oddball on the list, because uh, they, they kind of parsed this down a little bit, not just because of a model, but a specific model. The Jaguar F-Type, which was reintroduced uh, a number of years ago, but this one was as a manual transmission. They said it was once available for only three years and only with a V6. So if you're going to get a offer a, a modern car with a manual transmission, put Put a good engine in it. Don't put the V6 in it. I just said boring on that one. Um, but one that I think we can all both uh, commiserate over here, Lincoln uh, Lou, is the Lincoln Continental. Now, they just reintroduced that a few years ago, and they canceled it again. That didn't last long as far as return engagements go. That's what I wrote down. I just think that's another bad move, a bad corporate move, because another iconic name, Lincoln Continental, is gone. And granted, they made some they made some missteps with that car when it first was introduced a few reintroduced a few years ago. It only had a six speed automatic when it should have had at least a seven or an eight speed in it. It was somewhat, to me, underpowered. It had some kind of V six. I don't know if it had the, had the Echo uh, Boost V six in it, but it's just like this is your flagship car. Make it worth something. Put a V eight in it. Put a better transmission in it. Um, but again, it's like. Continentals are, that's just a, a, a timeless name. Will Lincoln bring something back with the Continental name on it? Maybe. Maybe they'll bring out an electric Continental or something like that. But, I mean, do you even remember the, the, the latest Continental, Lou? You don't see too many of them on the road. No. It, it's, um, you know, there, there's, I, 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 sometimes it's, you could see that it's a corporate decision, in my opinion, which means that they bring out the name to try to, Reinvoke the imagination yeah. of what you remember, and then when they don't package it right, you're absolutely right. I mean, you can't. Uh, um, I'm just thinking out loud. I remember at one point uh, somebody was, and I think it was even like Heinz. I'm not quoting them though, and we'll get some. What was that? Car guys reported hotmail.com. Yes. Heinz will be contacting us, their attorneys. But um, <laughs> it was uh, they took ketchup and they made it green. Oh, yeah, like I remember that. Relish. Yeah, green like, ketchup. Like, yeah. like relish or something yeah. like that. And it just didn't work. You know, ketchup in people's mind is red. And it's the same thing when, when Pontiac came out with the GTO and, made, you know, just basically made it a, uh, a, a G8, uh, uh, you know, with, with a 400 horsepower or 400 uh, cubic inch engine in it. Nobody was buying it, meaning not not necessarily physically, 
but mentally they were saying, wait a minute, we know what a GTO looks like. You know, you duped us in 73 when you took a Nova and put a Trans Am hood scoop on it <laughs> and called it a GTO. Yeah. And or that was, excuse me, 74. We'll get car guys, uh, car guys, uh, at hotmail.com, car guys report at hotmail.com. They'll be telling you about the 73 versus 74. <laughs> but the uh, 73 was, you know, it was a colonnade Le Mans. Uh, that they that they stuffed a different hood scoop mm-hmm. on, and called it a GTO. Yeah. So nobody nobody believed it in '73. We were all disappointed. Um, you know, big disappointment was '71 with the Mustang when they went from that great body style, great body style to that long tail that you couldn't even see out the back window, with a big fat rear end and a long nose. I like that style, it. though. I I mean, we talked about it last time. I love that. That that grew on people, but it grew over time, not yeah. at the moment. But somehow, how can you? How can you? But it's interesting, though, not to get too off off course here. But yep. you know, Dodge reintroduced the Charger, what ten or twelve years ago, as a four door. It was never a four door, and it's actually been pretty successful. And partly because they're putting big honking engines in it, they're making it look really cool, and it's it's competitively priced. I think those are three of the big reasons why it's been successful even and maybe too because it's like hey i'm a guy i'm I'm young enough to want a a muscle car but the wife because we had a kid won't let me have a two-door so let me have my charger four-door muscle car and we'll make everybody happy let me give you an example of something i think that works i don't think the charger worked i get it i'll tell you why the charger currently works but the the short story is with for example, when they came out with the Chrysler 300, the Chrysler 300 was a good-looking car. Yeah, Bentley-esque. It, you know, so, yeah. Oh, I mean, the early one. Are you talking about the earlier, the, the new ones? No, I'm talking about the, the, the newer ones. Yeah, right? the newer ones, yeah. Kind of a Bentley, yeah, the, chunky look. Yeah, you know, it has a very classy look. You feel special in the car. Yeah. They gave it a great design. Okay, so that worked, in my opinion. The Charger, when it first came out, nobody was thinking mentally this looks like a 68 dodge charger no. this does not this does not look like a car that was behind bullet this does not look like generally even though they tried to, to, to mimic that cove in the in the side of the body you know that that kind it, of covish yeah, thing and, but and it's and it's and nobody's agreeing yeah. that looks right so now let's talk about someone who's done it right now use an easy one right now is the bronco the bronco came out with this name they're trying to look back at their heritage and they're trying to give you uh, a feel of what we had. It's a retro version. I'll give you another good one. The two, the 2007, uh, I believe it was seven, could be five, uh, the Mustang. When the Mustang came back out, mm-hmm. it looked like the 60s Mustang. Yeah. They said, okay, we're going to go back to what got us here. Great idea. The Camaro, when uh, Transformers movie came out and um, the, the dirty Camaro, which they, I think they called it Rumblebee, uh, turned into uh, in the tunnel. It turns into the newest Camaro. That was great. It looked like the '69, you know, '67, '68, '69 Camaro. So when you give us a flavor of what we had, you know, you'll buy it. But when you give us something that doesn't look like a flavor of what we have, when you give us green ketchup, we say no. That's that's now you've pushed it too far. But I and thought I you said that, that you had a reason why the Charger. Here's was succeeding, I'm, though. I'm, yep. I, I'm going to tell you, because sooner or later, people will give up. <laughs> and that's what that's why the Chargers work, because fi- the, the people finally realized, 
I guess they're going to keep selling these things. So we might as well get one. And I'll give you a good example as well was the Taurus. The Taurus had been out there for a long time. And finally, somebody said, okay, we're just going to you know, make an SHO. We're going to make a sport version of it. And, and guys who were family guys went, okay, wife, can I get this car? And they said, sure. And they didn't realize that it had a little horsepower. And that's kind of what the Challengers turned into, to, into or the, the Chargers, Chargers turned yeah. into. Now, now, granted, in the last five years, the Charger has become, you know, especially when they made a Hellcat version of the Charger. Yeah, and the wide body. I mean, the, the, the car looks body. really cool. I, I've, I've yeah, got a, you so, know, the, the wide body kit yeah. on that thing. Yeah, so, so with those um, extenuations of what, we normally think. I mean, if, yeah. if it was stripped down and it was a normal challenge, a charger, base bones, it's boring. It's not good. Yeah. Look, it's not look. Yeah, it's not good looking. Yeah. But you know, I mean, so I guess you can put lipstick on a pig and make it work. <laughs> okay. No, I, I I pretty much agree with what you say there. Um, we've got. Let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. If you took a physical pig, not not a real one, but <laughs> you know, let's let's say a piggy bank, okay. If you took a piggy bank that looks like a pig and you stuck Krager mags on the back of it and Krager mags on the front of it and put a steering wheel and a bucket seat in it, it would start to look pretty good. Someone would buy it. You, you, t- you tip the snout nose back, right? Yeah. You give it a little bit of a, you give it a TR7 nose edge to it. <laughs> <laughs> you put a couple of snout grills on it. All of a sudden, and you put the wide back on it with some nice taillights, like a like a like a Challenger or something like that. I kind of envision a tea bucket roadster, right, evolving that out looks, of that somehow. That <laughs> is, yeah, and you could see like Jeff Dunham driving it, you know, with the puppets, you know, with the, you know, and people would be like, "Man, Jeff, that is one cool pig ride." You know, so. <laughs> or, or Larry the Cable Guy, yeah, driving driving up in a pig mobile. And everybody, you know, everybody would say brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So, well, we've got three more on the first part of this list of great cars that were killed off before they could succeed. Two of them are sobs. I just want to roll through those real quick, and then there's one that we'll talk about probably for a little while. But um, now on this list, they had the the last version of the Saab nine five wagon, which was never imported to the U.S. I didn't even know that existed because they had the. I had never seen a picture of it until I saw this on there. I'm like, why is that even on the list? Because it was never even imported to the U.S., and people wouldn't even know what that looks like. But then the Saab 9.3, the last version, they said that was a great car that was killed before they succeed. First of all, the 9.3 was out for a number of years before Saab went belly up. And secondly, the last version, the, any, any version of the 9.3 basically was just a rebadged Opal, in my opinion. And... Was it a good car? Yeah, it was probably a good car. Was it a great car? No, it wasn't. It wasn't a Saab. It didn't have a Saab engine. It didn't have a Saab chassis. You know, it's still built in Sweden, but that's about it. So that's all I'm going to say about those two. And then the last uh, car that was killed off before it could succeed, and this rounds out part one of the list. We'll get to part two in the next episode of the Car Guys Report, is the Plymouth Prowler. Now, I'll tell you two reasons why, three reasons why that didn't succeed. It needed a V8. It had a wimpy, wimpy V6 in it. It had. You could, you could, you could stop right there. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Had that. Had absolutely no cargo space of any kind in it. That's why they sold that's, that optional trailer. That's irrelevant, though. Well, but you need some. I mean, literally, this thing has like zero 
cargo capacity. You couldn't even put a cooler anywhere. I mean, it was just, it was right. ridiculous. Plus, and I know they have aftermarket kits now, but those ugly bumper turn signal bars in front. And of course, uh, that's kind of some uh, safety thing, but they just look so ugly. They're, yeah, they're, 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 really? There had to be a better way that they could integrate that and still have it, you know, meet all the there, legal specs. There, there, there could have been a better way, I agree. But, but I mean, number one that you put on your list, it's like everything else is number one, yeah. number seven, number yeah. 12. But, yeah, that without putting a V8 in there, um, this was one of those, um, you know, selling something that you knew should have been cool and just wasn't. And you can only go so far away cool until you have to have a performance. Well, yeah, I mean, the rest of the car looked, you know, other than the front with those weird bumpers. I mean, the rear end looked pretty good. It had huge tires on the back. It, you know, the body itself was pretty cool looking. The interior was so-so. They, they, it was it looked a little parts binny, but... Did you ever see the television show called Hee Haw? Yeah, yeah, a long, long time okay. ago, yeah. They, they would have a beautiful girl in the cornfield, and then she'd smile, and they'd have her boy with a blacked-out yeah. tooth. Mm-hmm. That's what the prowler was. <laughs> so you're not That's a fan. You can't help not liking the outside. Yeah. It's just tremendous. I mean, you're going to turn your head. But when you drive it, you yeah. go, yeah. Yeah. and you're just like, come on. <laughs> I like your, your imitation of a V6. That's pretty good. <laughs> well, that that's how that V6 sounded. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty it was, lackluster. It, it, was, it, was, it was, you know, there was no, you're not beating anyone off of any lines. I mean, there's no... There's no performance. Yeah. That, and, you know, I know it's a two-seater and everything, but I do think that the cargo thing definitely was a big no-no, too, because... You know, but you weren't taking that on a long trip. You weren't going to But they sold a trailer for it, so somebody was. And who wants to tow a trailer that looks like a motorcycle trailer behind their retro modern hot rod? Yeah, no, nobody does. Yeah, it was... It was... The concept was... So close to being perfect. Yeah. And then, oh God, that was the opposite of the GTO in, in, in the two, in the late, in the mid 2000s. Yeah. I mean, great motor, bad outside. Prowler was the opposite. Yeah. Great outside. I mean, a 10 outside. And then, <laughs> I'm going to be generous and say a three under the hood. Yeah. Well, it, was, it, was, it was a hee-haw girl. This, I like your analogy there, Lou. <laughs> she looked beautiful, then she smiled, and there was no like, teeth. Uh oh, that was that was the whole joke of the heat. I love it. That's part one of the uh, great cars killed off before they could succeed, according to uh, Road and Track. And of course, we put the Car Guys Report uh, spin on it. Part two of that list coming up in the next episode of the Car Guys Report. If you like what you're listening to here on the Car Guys Report, opishows.com, radiomisfits.com, that's where you can find us. You can also catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Android, Stitcher, Blueberry, and iHeartRadio. All the those platforms have our program on them. Just look for those. T- 
type in a search for Car Guys Report and we'll pop up. And when you uh, listen to our program, please subscribe. You'll get an automatic notification for new content, which is every Tuesday. And that way you will never miss an episode and you'll be up to date on everything that Lou and I have to uh, talk about. Also, too, remember that whenever you're podcasting with the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, all our programs are free and it's podcasting on your terms, wherever you are, park, car, office, bedroom, walking down the street, walking your dog, doing whatever. You can take us with you on your laptop, your your phone, your tablet, your desktop, your car, wherever you are, whatever you're in, whatever you're doing, we're there. It's all about free podcasts. It's the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and opishows.com. That's where you'll find our podcast the car guys report informed automotive mark vernon with lou costable and we're at the point in the program where we like to uh, talk a little bit about lou's popular youtube channel called my car story with lou and it's when we play the car guys report guessing game now last episode i got uh the middle car correct i i missed out on the number one car which was a surprise and the number three car which uh, came in third but lou tell us about the game how it works and see if i can do better this time around so if this is your first time to the show and you're listening, I have a YouTube channel called My Car Story with Lou that has over 1,500 different cars. And um, so I will put three cars up in a week and Tuesday, a Thursday, and a Saturday, and then we'll let them percolate, as I like to call it, for a few uh, weeks, and we'll come back and see how many views they have, and then we'll talk about it on the channel. And you the listener can guess along with Mark because he has no idea of which one is highest or lowest. And obviously he knows that because his last guesses weren't there. But <laughs> I usually, I usually, no problem. I usually take the oldest car first and then to the, to the newest car. And I will say one of these cars dominated Okay. in the views, just dominated. So, um, and the second car even did, tremendously well and the third car just tanked huh okay so, so so one of these is tanked and two of them have one of them has exploded for at least for my channel and, and by the way you could video the exact same car with the exact same person and have a completely different result so we're just basing it on the channel that i have so here we go in the oldest one a 1961 imperial lebaron in black and engine sound hmm. Number two, a 1970 Plymouth Superbird with the original owner wow. and, a 420, and a 426 Hemi engine. What color? And number, uh, it is a Sublime Green. Okay. Which is like a uh, highlighter green. Yeah. And then the last one is a 2008 Lotus uh, Exige, Exige yeah. S240 in black paint and engine sound. Huh. And that engine, I believe that Exige has that Toyota V6 in there. It has the Toyota engine, and that's where the 240 from the horsepower comes out. So I'll just go through them again. Uh, You as the viewer or listener can determine uh, which would be the the number one uh, by views, number two, number three. So we've got a 61 Imperial LeBaron uh, in black. We have a 1970 Plymouth Superbird with the original owner and a 420 set. 426 Hemi engine, and we have a 2008 Lotus Exige S240 in black and engine sound. Actually, Lou, I'm going to go in the order 
Oh, no, not quite the order that you presented me. I'll go with the Superbird number one, the Imperial number two, and the Lotus number three. Ding, 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 ding. That is exactly how they Awesome. Cool. Wow. I'm you, back on top. You hit that one completely out of the park. The thing that uh, made this interesting was the uh, original owner. Oh, yeah. Of this, for the 1970s Superbird. And I will add something now that you've graded them correctly or rated them correctly is the owner was also a female. Wow. And, uh, uh, you know, so the fact that she's talking about her, what she called her forever car. Huh. And truly was or is. Yeah, it, it's her forever car. So it's a it's a great episode. If you go to my car story with Lou, uh, let me give you the numbers just so that it makes sense with what we've got. The Superbird had 96,137 wow. views. Wow. Uh, the Imperial had 63,915 okay. views. And the Lotus Exige had 1,924 yeah. views. So uh, uh, two of them just uh, cranking out the views, and uh, one of them uh, sputtered along in last place. <laughs> as, as British cars used to do, right? <laughs> so, yeah. In the days of, uh, well, we won't go there. But, uh, yeah, cool. That's that's awesome. Um <clears throat> How did, just real quick, I know it, it, it would sure, be in the sure. video, but how did that woman, owner, ever come to buy a Superbird back in the day and well, decide to keep happened, it? Yeah, the, the, I'll let her explain it best, but I'm going to paraphrase. So she read, a, read an article about a Dodge Daytona that did 200 miles an hour. Uh, and she said, that's got to be my car. Wow. So that was that, you know, the, the, you know, I guess it would be similar to when the Dodge Demon came out and they uh, projected it as the car that will pull a wheelie. Yeah. You know, once, once you said that and the fact that the car was banned on the drag race, <laughs> then, then you had to have it. Yeah. Then it was like, oh, okay, that's, that's my car. It pulls a wheelie and it's banned. Okay, I need, but like Michael Jordan's shoes, he had some black shoes that they said you can't wear black shoes on the court; they're banned. Well, that shoe took off and created sure. the Nike, Nike experience. So, um, people could argue that say Nike number one was, but but that was one of the things that propelled his shoe selling was the fact that the court was saying we're banning this shoe, like it gives them an an, an unfair advantage of playing, yeah, uh, etc. So, yeah, so that's the. Uh, that's that's the uh, the original owner. Uh, so if you went to YouTube and went to search and put in my car story with Lou and you put 1970 Superbird original or owner, uh, it would uh, come right up and you could see that episode. I, uh, you know, put a comment in there. Tell me what you think. Yeah, Lou, we're listening to the Car Guys report and we heard you talk about this and we're, you know, great episode or whatever you think on the episode, you can put in there in the comments. Cool. Yeah, that's what uh, My Car Story with Lou, it's on YouTube. He's got uh, 80,000 subscribers, 1,500 uh, videos, always adding new content and some incredible cars. I mean, where are you going to find an original owner with their 1970 Superbird? I mean, that's amazing. So just some of the really cool stuff that you can see on Lou's channel, and we do the Car Guys Report guessing game uh, as part of the Car Guys Report uh, podcast each and every Mark, episode. Mark, I want to add one other little sure. particular. Well, as you're talking about rare things that you don't see, even a rare thing that sometimes I didn't 
see or think was kind of going to come up there. Uh, one of the cars I just videoed uh, that's now on the channel that you could see, if you've waited this long into the into the podcast to listen, I'll give you a little extra bonus, a little little cherry on your Sunday, is uh, the first ever Corvette to cross the finish line at Le Mans. Uh, we took a little ride in that. Oh, so wow. It wasn't in a museum. It was it was it, it was in my video spectrum. So cool. Uh, it's called. I'll, I'll give me just a second because I had to name it a little bit uniquely, and maybe that's why it's not doing as well as I thought it would have done. But it is a. Uh, it's called the first, and the first is is a one ST first Corvette to finish twenty four hours of Le Mans, and. Um, let me get the exact title. It's called First Corvette to Finish 24 Hours of Le Mans. Le Mans, that, you know, looks like Le Mans. 1960 Cunningham, number three, and ride on My Car Story of Lou. So if you punched in 24 hours, you know, My Car Story of Lou, 24 hours Corvette, it'll come up. And uh, Lance Miller um, is the current caretaker of that car. And there's an amazing story with that car that uh, is how his dad found it that uh, you don't want to miss. Cool. Great. That's what uh, Lou's uh, YouTube channel is all about, My Car Story with Lou. And, of course, like I said, we do the Car Guys Report guessing game each and every episode of the Car Guys Report podcast. And coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, the fascinating Curtis Aero Car, plus part two of our list of great cars that were killed before they could succeed that and so much more. Mark Vernon with Lou Costable, thanks so much for taking the time to uh, listen to uh, the show today. Certainly appreciate having had you along for the ride. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is hippo spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place. And that would be radiomisfits.com. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, Adam explains to us what the transfer window means. Yeah, we'll talk about how much money each team spent and where the money went for some of the greatest players in the world. It's all the Premier League news that you'll want to have right here on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. I'm Sam. I'm Kimmy. And it's Tommy. And on this week's episode of And Friends, we actually have something to shove in our mouth. Can I open the box? The box is really cool. It's like a little coffin. We can open the boxes, all right? I'm opening. I don't I don't even want to open the box. Why is this wrapped like a Christmas gift? Wait, what the f- is this? Oh, hell. What is this? No. Oh. No, 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 Holy. No. I, I have some precautions for this, all right? What do you mean you have precautions? No, 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 What no. did you send me? The Reaper <laughs> shows no mercy. There's a warning on the back. Oh. Right? Oh, my God, the inside. Oh. What is this? Yeah, this is serious. You're trying to kill me. No, no, no. Oh, look, another warning on the bottom that says it hurts like hell. Well, we have a week to think about whether we want to eat it. <laughs> I, I need some time. Yeah, I need, I need some time. I'm, I'm scared. I'm all for it if you guys are. Here's the thing. If we do this, this is like the whole show. I think it's a great idea. This is legitimately terrifying. I feel like Ralph from The Simpsons saying, ha, I 
I'm in danger. <laughs> this is going to kill me. All right, tune in next week to possibly see all of us die. Listen to Anne Friends on Spotify, opashows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, it's a flashback to the 1930s with the funky Curtis Arrow car. Plus, Mercedes wants to paint your car any color you want. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Hostable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Feel alert. Take shelter. Tornado.